0: katie i'm erica and this, and this is, is book talk,
1: talk. hi katie <laughs> well i wasn't really here for that either that's not oh, really, like, but whatever we're in
0: it now we're going live hi erica <laughs> we are live Welcome to Book Talk. Book Talk is your weekly podcast book club and if you're just joining us this is the first part of Honor and we start each episode with Katie giving us a brief summary of the book that we just or the section of the book that we just read because we all have book amnesia and I could not tell you what I just read so she's going to remind us. So we start this first section flying into Mumbai with our main character
1: Smita She has interrupted her lovely vacation in the Maldives to come – Maldives? Maldives? Maldives. Okay. And her lovely vacation in the Maldives to come help her friend, Shannon, who is injured but is instead tasked with following up on a horrific news story that Shannon has been reporting on. The only issue is that, A, she didn't expect this, and, B, the assignment is in a remote part of India. Samita has a lot of unresolved feelings about India, which is the country where she was born, and she is to be accompanied by Mohan – who she is mostly annoyed with all the time. There's a lot of buildup, a lot of scene setting in this first section, um, but I am loving getting to know these characters so far. What did you think of this first part? I did not love this first part. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell if this is going to be a book you hated or if this was going to be in a book I
0: liked, which I think is how we're leaning, but why didn't you like it? Smita is just kind of annoying, and there's times where you're kind of like, Yeah, Smita. And then she just like turns right around and you're like, wait, like, I understand that she's upset that her friend Shannon brought her here under like false pretenses and didn't tell her about the journalist opportunity. But it's like, okay, well, get over it. And like Mohan says, like, so if she had told you that that's what she needed, you would have told her no. No, you wouldn't have told her no. It's a great story. And it's your friend. She's asking you for a favor. So like just kind of get over it. And then she has this confrontation with her mom's old friend and she kind of like stands up for herself and you're like, yeah, like, I don't know. Obviously something happened that we're going to find out about later, but then she tries to take it back and she's like, we got off on the wrong foot. I'm like, girl, no step in it. I don't know. So that's how I'm feeling so far. I'm glad she's not going on the trip with Nandini, but I also feel like the tension between her and Nandini also is like exaggerated. Like we get it. They don't really like each other. I okay. feel like that's building into some yeah I do feel like there's some annoying parts to it as well I think
1: her being annoyed about the news story part I don't know I feel like it's all understandable as well like if that was me and I thought I was going to help a friend and then they were like can you do this job for me but if it was my job I mean you are still helping her so I think I would be over that part quickly like this is what she needs from me okay I'm in I'll do the story um I feel like I don't really remember the neighbor and her scene, uh, but I do think it it annoys me how much she hates – how much she's, like, disliking India, but I do feel like I have a lot of friends who have really strong opinions, good and bad, about where they live or where they grew up. So they either, like, fully hate where they came from and never want to go back there and are like, that's not me, or they're obsessed with where they came from and they're like, how could you ever live anywhere else, you know, and that's not pointed at you, but (laughs) – I'm just kidding. It's, people can be, let me say that part again, or they're like obsessed with where they live and they're like, how could you ever want to live anywhere else? Nothing is as magical as this. Like the perspective is different. So I think her complete dismissal of India is kind of annoying, but I also get it. Like they have very different experiences in living there. Um, and I hope the Nandini thing, because I do feel like it's exaggerated, is going to turn into something more interesting.
0: I do. There's that. There's that little seed of maybe there's a relationship between Nandini and Shannon and that's why Nandini's so upset. Oh. I mean,
1: that's one of my main questions is like first of all we don't know what happened to Shannon. Um we don't know how she got injured and I don't know why Nandini feels responsible. I get this kind of insane loyalty storyline, but I it doesn't feel like enough to me to justify kind of how she's acting. Uh, because again, if that's what if she was this intense storyline of being loyal, and Shannon was like, what I need is for you to take Smita to this country. Don't you think she'd be like, okay, I'll do whatever you ask of me, kind of thing. So it doesn't fully fit. I do feel like this section basically just left me with a list of questions that I would like to be answered.
0: Shannon does say why she fell, but I guess you're right. We don't necessarily know if that's the truth. She says that she's like, oh, I was texting and not paying attention and I tripped. But you're right, that like might not actually be true and maybe nandini was part of it or was the cause of it or it was because of their relationship that right i feel like
1: there's something resp- something something more there as to her injury and nandini's involvement in my opinion but that is just like the sense that i'm getting so i feel like that's one question i have the other big burning question i have is what happened to smita why did her family have to leave What could have been so bad? um, Like, how did, I think that all has something to do with the title of this book, Honor, right? Like, what happened that they found them dishonorable and that they had to leave?
0: You're right. There's lots of questions so far. It's definitely setting the stage and painting the picture for us of, like, what Mumbai is like and sort of what the underlying tensions are between Smita and her Indian culture that she doesn't, agree with or that she feels tension with. Yeah. I'm curious about that whole thing. Yeah. Seems to be mostly related to gender issues and how they treat women. So that but can I have also to do with I'm her like, mom. If that is what she
1: – I understand that it probably does to do with gender and how they treat women, but that is what Smita has dedicated her career to. So it is interesting to me that she's having a hard time confronting that or wanting to be a part of that in the country where she's from, where she maybe could have maybe a bigger impact or at least some kind of impact. And she's really – Putting up a wall against that. What do you think is happening with Shannon and Mohan? Do you think there's something there? Or do you think that Mohan is going to fall in love with our main character, Smita?
0: We definitely have classic road trip adventure set up for a romance. I could see it happening. They're definitely different in the way they view the world, and they clearly have like some sort of banter. So I could see it getting there. I still thought that there was something between Shannon and Mohan. Like I'm still a little bit confused about how they're so close, but I do see a potential for him and Smita to get together.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if you're going to have kind of like a love triangle situation here only because I'm like, okay, I I can definitely see Smita and Mohan. I feel like we have the perfect setup. I feel like they're very different, but also they're both kind of looking at each other. Like, is there something I could learn here? Uh, Is something about them? Correct. Like they are feeling that, self-awareness around the other person. So I feel like we're setting ourselves up for a cute little romance road trip. Um, but I also am curious the way that he talks about the traditional culture that he was raised in and the way he is acting around and for Shannon. I just feel like I don't know how those go together unless they had some sort of romance. Maybe he just sees
0: Shannon as a sister, but I don't know. I also didn't know that Shannon was white until towards the end. I guess I could have guessed because her name is Shannon, but That was surprising to me, and then how it played into the fact that she's American, so she's getting treated differently in this country, Um, but maybe that's part of it. Like He is more traditional and maybe wants to marry an Indian girl and maybe is more into Smita, and that will be something that they discuss in some part of their relationship. I, for some reason, did picture her in my head as, like, a white, blonde, blue-eyed journalist.
1: That's how she is in my head. I don't know if that's what she – I don't think we have any other descriptors, but that's what she looks like inside my brain. But I did think it was really interesting, like, at the hotel where they're like, you know, are you staying in separate rooms? And he kind of, like, jumps in to save the day. But she's like, well, what would Shannon have Nandini
0: have done here? And he's like, I mean, they're, she's American. Yeah, so she has a different set of rules. They treat tourists differently. Definitely money changes gender dynamics which should tell you something about the nature of power i do feel like we're going to be discussing the nature of power in this book a lot more as well and gender it seems like it's all gender dynamics social judgments perspective all of the above the author does do a good job in this section too of pointing out like some of the hypocrisies and also some of the similarities of americans judging other countries and how We sort of do similar things where we think of this particular type of violence as so unacceptable. And yet she draws a parallel to gun control and gun violence where it's like, well, this is not happening in other countries. And that's how they look at what you tolerate or what you deal with. You know, and these things don't make the news as much anymore. And it's like kind of similar to this type of violence that she's going to be investigating. I think that's totally true. I
1: think reading about other cultures allows us to kind of look more critically, if you choose to, at what you believe in the culture, what you have accepted, what you have deemed is normal and is just kind of a part of daily life, what you've, what you kind of learned to live with, because it is different. When we were in, when we were in Tunisia, um, somebody was talking about like the fear of being in kind of a militarized state, blah blah blah, and one of my friends was like, I mean, people are afraid to be in America. They're like, what if I go to a movie theater? Like, I could just get shot. What if I send my kid to school? Like, there could be a mass shooting. And I was like, I like fear is what you make of it, and it's what you hear, and it's what you what you have normalized is not normalized here. And so then it's, you know, fear is created differently based on your perspective and on how you are living and growing up, et cetera, which was kind of shocking for me to hear because I was like, Yeah, I guess there is a lot. I mean, I know there's a lot of gun violence, but I do feel like overall safe. So I think you know, that must be other's perspective as well. And it's not always.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit of privilege too. No, it's Um, totally privilege. I mean, that's why they have
1: that perceived safety is because of all my privilege. 100%. (laughs) So,
0: yeah. Even the example that comes to mind is I had a friend when I was living in Australia who was from New Zealand. And at the time, New Zealand had basically no guns anywhere anybody nobody had guns there was no guns anywhere and police officers did not carry guns and they would have a gun like in a car in a special lock that they had to like radio in to get permission to unlock and it would be like remote unlocked for them in like specific cases and this was before like the terrorist incident in New Zealand that happened recently but he said like seeing police officers in America with guns is not, it does not make him feel safe. It makes him feel terrified. Right. And so it's like even the same, like our idea of the exact same thing of like, this is safety. This is uh, scary or this is threatening. You know, it's just so culturally dependent. Totally. I feel like seeing
1: militaries like abroad free, does not make me feel safer. It makes me feel like something is wrong. Cause you don't just see like tanks parked at tour, you know, Stores locations where I live, and people were just like casual machine guns. You do there, I'm like, it's for safety. What do you mean? And I'm like, oh, okay, you do see a tank if you go to an Ohio State football game. That's true. And I don't like it there either. It doesn't instill a sense of safety, <laughs> it instills like a level of
0: uncomfortability where I'm like, why am I at a place where this is required? I'm also like, how much money? How much money did that cost? Okay, truly. Okay, anyway, tangent. <laughs> Have you ever been in India? No, but we're going in December so exciting have you been to india no when i worked at ibm the team that i started with was all indian men plus me and it the only thing i know i mean i know i knew like had a lot of experiences with them and learned a lot from getting to know them i think the biggest thing is it's very similar to america where like it's huge so it's sort of funny when people talk about like, oh, that's so American. It's like, what do you mean? There are so many different versions of America within this country and they have their own stereotypes, their own language, their own culture, their own food, depending on like where you are in the country. Totally agree. There are so many different cultures,
1: even within India. And I think in the book, when Smita says your, your Mumbai is not mine, she's talking about obviously her experience as a woman, but also just that like there are so many different experiences based on class, geographic location, gender that you could have in one giant city like that, let alone in one giant country where things are completely different.
0: Totally. There's different versions of New York City. Like I have talked to people. I think this is James's perspective. Is like I wouldn't want to be in New York making the money that I'm making as a grad student because like there's a level of New York that's very comfortable and totally unacceptable like uh, oh my god unacceptable unaccessible to most of us and that new york is probably amazing and a completely different experience that other people just don't have so there's all these levels to each city where are you going when you go to india mumbai oh perfect and okay Kerala. we got to circle back put a pin <laughs> in this for december which okay, i'm sure we'll will be do. here in 3 blinks of an eye truly I know. I actually need to book the – we
1: actually need to book our tickets soon. Mumbai and then um, 80's mom is from Kerala, so there as well, which is like, quote, unquote, the Hawaii of India. Oh. So I am excited. I do think it is very fascinating to me to read books that are set in places that I have never been and want to travel to and in cultures that I really don't know anything about. Um, I've obviously never been to India. I don't know a lot of people who are – who are like born in India besides AD. And in my first job too, I worked with, um, all of our programmers and developers were in India. I can't remember exactly where now, Chennai, maybe, um, in India. And so I had that kind of experience working with them and there is just cultural differences. I find those like very fascinating to read about and to hear kind of how our characters are dealing with them.
0: How do you feel reading a book that has like the Indian slang or Indian words and phrases in it as you read?
1: I mean, I think I like that. I think it makes it feel more authentic and also I feel like I'm learning something about it too. Like I'm learning kind of what it means and how
0: those words are used. What do you feel when you read a book like that? I like it. My first like adult big kid book, which is This is sort of a horrible comparison. But my first big kid book was A Clockwork Orange. And they also have sort of their own language because it's in this like dystopian future. And it's one of those things like you at first are very confused by what these words mean, but we're really actually used to picking up new words. And as it's repeated, you sort of get the meaning more and more. And then you kind of understand what they mean by it. So I think we'll have that experience. Like that's just how... Mohan speaks, and after a while, that yeah. would just sort of seem normal. Yeah, you kind
1: of understand what they're
0: saying in it too.
1: I think it's fascinating to see what words people use or how they use certain slang. Um, whenever I talk to Uz, who ha- my friend who lives in Tunisia has, like, he fluently speaks seven languages, which is wild. Um, and but if I use anything that's like, oh, I didn't want to rock the boat. What are those called? Euphemisms? He is like baffled. He's like, the boat? Who's on a boat? <laughs> and I was like wait a minute I said that so quickly I didn't even like think about what saying I was saying here and what I meant was you have to like think about it more but they would say the same thing too like is everybody good we're good you good and you're like but in French or whatever and you're like wait a minute what are they asking me they're
0: like they're just saying what's
1: up <laughs> Like,
0: okay I'm confused about what happened to Mina so they killed her fiance or her husband
1: Her husband, she married outside of her religion. I think she married a Muslim man. She's Hindu. And so they burned their house down and burned her husband alive. And she like escaped or her brother helped her escape or something. And they killed him and she made it out.
0: Okay. Maybe not her brother. Maybe her
1: brother-in-law. Sorry. Because her brothers were the ones who burnt down the house and killed her husband and disfigured her.
0: I'm assuming we're going to get more of this, but it is just a little bit strange that we have like glimpses of this, but not the full story. Cause it's confusing because I do think her younger, I think her actual younger brother tried to help and then was like attacked by his older brothers who were carrying it out. But then I was confused because like she actually was saved. So was that intentional or was it not intentional? And if it wasn't intentional, how did she get out and how did, she survived but her husband didn't yeah. that's the part i am well i think that's what by. you know
1: we're kind of in the same boat as smita at this point where we don't know we're getting snippets of information she's starting to kind of reread the articles but i think that as she gathers information from the kind of people the men in this village the brothers the people who are involved people in the court you know we will also gain some more information but i agree it is kind of confusing what happened to her and I understand that she's doing it. She's suing them, which is super brave and also a way to, like, these injustices are happening all over and all the time. And she's actually doing something to fight back, which is inspiring. And she's one of the, you know, not one of the few characters, but seemingly in this book so far, she's fighting back with a like, a very tangible way to what happened to
0: her and what could happen to other women. That is it for book one. Next week, we are reading chapters 9 through the end of 19. That's pages 81 to 161.
1: My dad does this thing where he will read a book and really like it and then he'll drop it off for me and then he will ask me every single day since he dropped off if I've read it yet, like I have anything else to be doing or reading. So anyways, about two weeks ago, he dropped off John Grisham's book, Sully, and um, he has asked me every day since then if I've read it. So I am reading it. I'm reading it just for everyone to know. It's about a a South Sudanese basketball player who is recruited to play basketball um, in the US. And while he's here on a trip, his family is, like, most of them at least, as far as he knows, brutally massacred in this in the Civil War fighting in South Sudan. He's also trying to balance doing what's good for his family and his community by playing basketball and by moving forth that dream while also like surviving in his grief. John Grisham's writing style, I think that it is very suspenseful, but sometimes it feels also very elementary, but I think that's also why it's approachable. So I get it. And then I'm also still reading slowly but surely on earth. We were briefly gorgeous. I just read like 10 pages a day. I feel like it's beautifully poetic, but I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe I'm just not smart enough for this, but sometimes I feel like I'm fully lost in what's happening or what he's saying. And then it will get back on track and talk about like his life growing up in the nail salon. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. I get it. And then it will go on some like really meta tangent. And I am like, am I following? Did you feel like that? Or is it just me?
0: That's definitely the book. It's very, like, poetic, editorial, going on a journey. It's, like, dreamlike almost. Yeah. But I think you just have to go with it. I think it's a very, it's like, a, it's a mood. You're going into his head of how totally. he's experienced the world and growing up and discovering himself. But, yeah, it's very disorienting. I do think you're correct that it's similar to Open Water. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I liked Unearthed Re- Briefly Gorgeous and not Open Water. And it seems like we're, like, flipping on this book. Yeah. I do think it's beautiful. The writing is beautiful. It is poetic.
1: I I do enjoy it every time I read it. I think sometimes I just expect to understand and comprehend everything that I'm reading and it is disorienting to read a book where I'm like maybe I don't fully get that maybe I'm not fully maybe I'm not meant to fully understand it. It's not my experience and kind of just relaxing into that. It's not a bad thing.
0: I don't have any good book updates for you, unfortunately. I just read Sheila Hetty's book, Pure Color. Someone described it as like a new Bible. Um, for some reason, I thought that sounds fun. Um, n- No, I <laughs> am very unclear about what I just read. It is just like purely bizarre. That's what I would call the book, purely bizarre. I don't know what the fuck like happened in that book. I will say it is the best first page of any book I've ever read. Oh? And it, it's basically all downhill from there. <laughs> no. Uh. For me personally, again, like if you don't think that you are smart enough to understand on Earth we were briefly gorgeous, just like this book, like, don't even attempt it. It is like truly on another planet where you're like, oh, this is written for like the literati. I don't know if that's like an appropriate term to use, but that is just like true. This is like an intellectual's intellectual book where people are just like, hmm, snapping their fingers, but no one understands what the fuck is happening. But They're all like,
1: I should and I will. I love that book. Um, Did I tell you that I finished Stay and Fight? No, that was really fast. Oh, yeah. Okay. I finished that. I forgot to say that also. Um, Did you like it? I loved it. It's not a predictable, like hokey, everything's perfect book. There's like a lot of layers to it. Um, I think it raises a lot of good questions about what it means to be a family, what it means to be part of society, what it means to be normal, and what are the pressures we put on each other to meet those standards that we make up for each other. So it questions a lot of things that we just take for granted, I think, in real life. And the characters are hilarious and unique. The story is original. It gave me educated vibes, if you read educated, and also kind of where the crawdad sing vibes. Which as soon as I posted those two books together, everyone literally, I got 17 comments. They're like, okay, I'm buying this immediately. Um, Rather than the educated, or yeah, both of them, they're kind of love stories. This one has a little bit of a love story, but it's on a compound of two women who are raising their son together. Um, A third woman is in as well. That's like page one. So it's kind of like a commune situation happening. Um, that it's built on so it is definitely a little bit more different maybe the queer version of where the crawdads sing love that I I really did like it I thought it was very interesting and it raised more questions than it answered and I liked the ending as well
0: I read another book and I did not finish it I put it in you the DNF pile I put it no. down no what was it there's no such thing as an easy job oh I talked about this I think on last week's episode it's about this Japanese woman again not sure I think it's a woman oh yeah we this. is in these like magical realism careers and jobs she's sort of like burnout and is taking these like jobs from a temp agency and each one is like very strange and bizarre and there's some element of like science fiction to each of them I just found the translation really stilted And I didn't appreciate the magical realism. It was just confusing to me why this matters. And each, like, section is a different job. And I've heard, like, different jobs are better than others. And apparently the third job's really good. But the fourth job is bad. And I was just like, I'm not trudging through this. I stopped midway through the second job. Because I'm just like, I just can't force myself to read right now. I'm still in a vulnerable place after pure color. (laughs) Right. I mean, also we read for fun
1: and to grow and learn and you just have to know to put things down i have not picked up milk food or girl woman other
0: for months well they're gonna get that bookshop link cred in our show notes so we'll give good them
1: that them. <laughs> good for them
0: were you gonna ask me something i feel like i was and i don't remember what it was <laughs> It was about no such thing as an easy job, sci-fi, magical realism, translation. I think I was just
1: going to say, is magical realism kind of what you would classify parts of House in the Cerulean Sea as? Is that what you mean by magical realism?
0: That's a good question. I don't really know. <laughs> I think of this as similar. So, like, have you ever read a Haruki Murakami book? Uh, yes. Yes. I can't think of the name right now. It has a blue and white color cover. I don't know. I think there's lots of versions of his cover. Cool, cool. Yes, Haruki Murakami is one of my favorite authors. In his books, it's like a, it's a real world, but there's some element element of it that's just like off, like the cats talk, and you're like, okay, but like the rest of the world is exactly the same. I think if I'm, I'm gonna guess that that's what magical realism usually means is that it's basically this world, but one part of it is science fiction. I don't mind magical realism. I guess it's just why the elements of another world if well, they're like what's not, it doing, right? Is it gratuitous? Yeah, so what what's is it, it serving?
1: This person who runs our book club at work is Red verity and they're like okay i'm reading it now my friend recommended it and i was like let me know how it goes and they're like i have so many things i need to talk about i do not think that they loved it and i was like that's how i felt reading it after right as soon as i was done i thought maybe i loved it and later i was like i think i actually did not love that journey but they were talking about how the sex scenes and the violence seemed very gratuitous like it was just done to what end like the really dark scenes like we talked about and also the insane amount of like erotica scene she was like for what for who
0: I agree obviously I'm very into either a lot of character development or a lot of plot and I don't like extraneous plot we're also totally coming off of an extremely edited book in the school for good mothers because Jasmine was an editor and is an editor so she spent a ton of time cutting basically everything extraneous from her book down to like an extra word so we're really primed for looking for that kind of thing at this moment I think okay okay Okay. bye-bye Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney with production support from Dan White. Our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week. Okay. (laughs) Hi, Katie. Oh, wait, let me do that again. I did a really loud, like, (laughs) lip smack, and I feel like the mouth sounds... I didn't like them. No, we're not here for it.